0: Good morning, Morning, morning. morning. let's pray. Father, we thank you for you are here with us this morning. For you promise in your words that where two or three are gathered in your name. You are in their midst. We thank you for your presence, Lord God. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I pray, dear Father God, that you will move in our midst. I pray that you, we know, Lord God, that you have already prepared our hearts to receive your words. And I pray that every word, Lord God, that will be uttered this morning will be words coming from the throne room of the Father. Words that will grow in our hearts. Words, Lord, that will transform us. Words that will bring us closer to you. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will move in our midst from the front to the back the left to the right and right to the left lord i pray that each and every heart lord god will receive blessings from you thank you lord god and we lift up to you those who are not here lord you know where they are some of them might be sick in their bodies some of them might have some problems lord lord you are a god who can meet us all our needs You are our Jehovah Rapha, you are the God that heals us, and I pray that you will heal them in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Okay, so who were here last Sunday? Okay, almost everybody were here last Sunday. So last Sunday we talked about grace or the evidence of grace, proof of grace. And uh, uh we said that this is going to be a four part series, okay, uh, meaning we will be talking about grace. In fact, if we wanted to dissect grace, it's not even four part it's going it might be a 20 part series, but of course we don't want that. Um, last Sunday, we talked about grace, okay, and then uh. We said that this Sunday we will be talking about living under grace or how it is to be under grace. And the next Sunday is going to be Mother's Day. Okay, I will rest for a while. We have a great speaker who will inspire us and honor our mothers this coming Sunday. And then on the 18th of May, we're going to have a special speaker, uh, Pastor Jim Welch. Welcher, or whatever it is, okay, he will be speaking to us on 18 May, so uh, I want us to be excited, bring our friends, and then we will resume the topic on grace, Sunday after the 18th, and then we will finish uh, the series on grace, amen? Amen. Okay. We have learned last Sunday, according to John, that the law came to Moses, came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And we have learned that grace and truth are two sides of the coin. You cannot separate grace from truth because if you separate truth from grace, grace is a deception. I want us to understand that the basic or one of the basic things that we need to understand as Christians is the principle of grace. You know, there are a lot of teachings going around about grace okay and I want us really to understand what grace is because if you don't understand it, sometimes we will be deceived by a lot of these teachings going on and even the teachings that we and see on the TV under the law we said that Moses the law was given through Moses the first miracle that Moses had under the law was turning water into blood resulting into death while under grace the first miracle that Jesus did was turning water into wine Resulting into life and celebration. Under the law, God visits the iniquities of our fathers and our forefathers up to the third and fourth generation. But under grace, God said, I will remember your sins no more. Under the law, Moses, one of the greatest men who ever lived here on earth, when he approached the burning bush, God said, remove your sandals, for the place where you are standing is a holy ground. But under grace, the parable of the prodigal son, the father said to the servant, bring him the shoes because he deserves to be in my presence. Under the law, people have to go to the high priest for them to obtain mercy before God. But under grace, you can come boldly into the throne room of grace to obtain help in times of need. Under the law, under the law, we cannot approach God As he is because he is a holy God. And we're sinful. But under grace, anytime you can approach God. Under the law, God comes to the people of Israel in in the form of fire by night and clouds by day. But under grace, the Holy Spirit lives within you. How did it happen? Because Of the cross because of what Jesus has done for you and for me we just sang earlier oh how he loves us so I was personalizing it earlier oh how he loves me so Jesus offered his life for you and for me because he loves you and he loves me amen so, this morning, we are going to continue. And we will be talking about the truth. And our uh, Bible verse is found in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 15. You know, one of the things that I noticed, that there are many Christians who are bow-legged. What's a bow-legged? Sakang. Okay. The left foot is in Christianity and the right foot is in the world. Okay. During Sunday, they look so saintly. But Monday through Saturdays, they look devilish. On Sunday, they are praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Monday through Saturday, erase the Lord. Okay. You can't even see the distinction that they are Christians. Okay, so this morning, I want us to stand up in reverence to the reading of God's Word. If you have your Bibles with you, open to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 15. If none, they're on the screen. Let's read them. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the Lord, glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Okay, let's sit down. Now, we just read the letter of Paul to one of the pastors that he discipled named Titus. Titus was a pastor in the early church in the island of Crete. Crete is in, in Greece, okay. And basically, the church of Titus, there are actually two, two races or what do you call this, two types of people who goes to Titus church. They are the, the Jews, okay. These are the ones who believe that apart from grace, they have to do or follow the law of Moses in order for them to be saved. Whereas the other one, on the other side, we have the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? These are the non-Jews. Okay? These are the non-Israelites. Okay? They believe or they use grace. As a license for them to continue in sinning. In fact, the Bible says in Titus chapter two verse twelve. I'm sorry, Titus chapter one, verse twelve. It says here, actually this describes who were the the Gentiles. It says them here, One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy glutons. You see how the Word of God describes who the Cretans were? They were lazy. Okay? They were evil beasts. It describes here that they were liars. However, these Cretans, Have the license to continue with what they were doing because they said that they're under grace. We have learned on Sunday what grace was. So, what is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor. And we have also learned justice. What is justice? It is the penalty that we deserve whereas mercy it is the forgiveness that we don't deserve and we have learned grace is mercy plus god adopted us to become co-heirs with jesus christ that means these are or this is actually the unmerited favor that god has given you and me We have also learned the different types of grace. What's the first one? Common grace. Common grace where all, everybody, experience the grace of God or the blessing of God. Okay? Even the believers and non-believers, they experience the common grace. And what is the second? The second is conscience. Third, saving grace. Fourth, enabling grace, and fifth, transforming grace. So this morning, we will move on. We will continue and understand what the grace of God is and what is amazing about the grace of God. We've been seeing that amazing grace. How sweet the sound. But what is really amazing with grace? What is really amazing with grace? Let's go back to our text. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The saving grace of God is offered to all. It's offered to everybody for as long as you are a human being. Look at the person next to you. Does he look like a human being? Of course. (laughs) Handsome. So the grace of God is offered... To everybody, the grace of God is offered even to your enemies. The grace of God is offered even to your (laughs) mother-in-law. The grace of God is offered even to your boss. The grace of God is even offered to your teacher who gave you a failing grade. The grace of God is available to everybody. However, that grace, that saving grace of God is not beneficial to everybody. It becomes beneficial if you accept that grace, that saving grace from God. It is God's desire that every person on this earth gets born again. From time immemorial, God wants us to be saved. That's why he is offering this grace to everybody. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift freely given to you, freely given to me, the gift of God, not by works. Sorry. Not by works, so that no one can boast. It is very clear that you and I have nothing to do with our salvation. Our salvation is a free gift. You don't have to earn your salvation, you don't have to be good in order for you to be saved. The Bible is saying we must receive the free gift of God. Yeah. Yeah. It is offered to everybody. It is gratis. It is free. Libre. And it is being offered to all. Every day. Every minute. 24 by 7. Amen? So we have nothing to do with our salvation. Because if salvation is by good works, what happens? Those who can give much in church, they will be saved. Those who do good, they will be saved. But the Bible is saying it is free so that no one can boast. Amen? Are you still awake? Look at the person next to you and say, wake up. Okay. Now, let me explain further. This saving grace is a grace that redeems. Do you understand the word redeem? Most of us, practically 90% of us, are Filipinos. Okay, I don't know if we have that here in America, but in the Philippines you yung sibwana Pawn shop. Okay, we have the Cebuana uh You have the tambunting. Ano pa? Okay? So, what is it all about? When you have a piece of jewelry and you don't have money, you go to the pawn shop and what? You make sanda your, your ring, your wedding ring. In effect, when man fell fell into sin, para tayong sinanla sa sa diablo, we were were not sold, we were pawned to the devil. But God, because He loves you and me, He redeemed us. He redeemed us not with money, but He redeemed us with His most precious blood. And you know, one thing nice with God is God does not wait for the end date. How is it in English? Due date. due date. God doesn't wait for the due date for you to be repossessed by the pawn shop. Or forfeited. Oh, forfeited. <laughs> Kita nyo, talaga, no? So God doesn't wait for the due date for you to be forfeited. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but God, on a daily basis, He goes to the pawn shop and redeems all people that have been pawned in the pawn shop. Isn't God good? The problem is, there are people in the pawn shop who get used to the pawn shop and they don't want to leave the pawn shop anymore. Right? So that is redeemed. The saving grace of God redeems. It redeemed you and it redeemed me. I'd like to introduce three words. Legalism, licentiousness, and grace. What is legalism? Legalism is you do everything the Bible says so that you will be saved. Or you do everything the Bible says so that I will remain saved. And you do everything the Bible says and do not follow them so that you will be saved. In short, some people become judgmental. On the other hand, we have what we call Licentiousness. What is that? I can't do everything because I'm under grace. I'm permitted to do everything regardless, just like the Cretans. But what is important is we understand grace. Because grace is not legalism, it's not licentiousness. Legalism is unmerited favor that we got, that God has offered you and me. We have nothing to do with our salvation. Again, we have nothing to do with our salvation. Even if you offer your body, even if you get yourselves nailed on the cross, you will not be saved. It is only through the finished work of Jesus Christ. I want that to be very, very clear to each and every one of us. You have been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? So we have learned that grace is unmerited favor. And what's amazing with grace is that after God saved us, it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. The grace of God sanctifies the believer. What is sanctify? Okay. Sanctify or sanctification. Or before we go to that, grace gives salvation. Grace sanctifies. And sanctification, sanctification is just a process of setting apart for a special purpose or for a special use. What is the use or why is it that God wanted to save us? You know, when, from time immemorial, when man fell into sin, I said earlier that God intended us or everybody to get saved. He doesn't want anyone to be perished. He wants everyone to be saved. However, the problem is, even in the Old Testament, when the law was given, nobody was able to follow the law to the latter. Therefore, people are not saved. But in the New Testament, God sent His only begotten Son to die for you and for me for us to obtain salvation. Jesus finished the work. Jesus fulfilled the law so that every time we approach God, Jesus becomes our mediator. He's the mediator between God and man. The purpose of God is to save people. And God wanted to sanctify people so that when other people see That you and I has been sanctified so that when other people see that we have been transformed, that in itself becomes a witness that there is a God who can change lives and who can change people. Amen? The Word of God encourages us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't it is never the will of God or it is never the plan of God for us to become stagnant. It doesn't stop for, for us for from being born again. God wanted us to move and enjoy another level of his grace or another level of his glory. It doesn't stop from being saved. God wants us to move, to move on. God wants us to grow. Have you seen a baby who doesn't grow? Everybody grows, right? At pag lumalago yung baby at hindi nag improve yung kanyang mental faculty, what happens? He becomes bonjing. What's bonjing? I, I remember when I was a kid, there's there's a show uh was that Bentot? Atoti tibonjing ato, ti bonjing, ato ti bonjing. Just imagine yourself your pastor will come here as ato And Ang sagwa no? Just imagine, just imagine your pastor would, would come up front and then wearing a diaper. doesn't look good. We need to grow. And Peter was saying in his epistle that we need to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ transfers us from one degree of salvation or the saving grace into what we call the transforming grace. I mentioned earlier that there are different types the Bible describes grace. There is the transforming grace. This is the grace that transforms the believer's life to become Christ-like. This is the grace that transforms you and me to to live a holy life. And there is what you call the enabling grace. The enabling grace, this is the grace that, that enables us to do the things that God intends us to do. Okay, in Ephesians chapter 4, it describes the different calling that is the enabling grace. And the calling described in Ephesians chapter 4 is that limited to pastors, prophets, teachers. But even if you're a business person, even if you're a doctor, you're an employee, that is a calling that God has given you. Let's go back to our text. It says, it teaches us to what? To say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. The problem with many Christians is they do not know how to say no. You know, it's not a sin to be tempted, because even Jesus, he was tempted. Again, it is not sin, it is not a sin to be tempted. But yielding to temptation, that's where you commit a sin. The problem with many Christians is they don't know how to say no. Instead of saying no to ungodliness, what do they do? They justify. Oh, I am just a man, sapagkat kami ay tao lamang. Right? Or sometimes we will justify, "I am not perfect." The temptation of cheating during exams is always there. But some of us, instead of saying no, "Hmm, just for today." we justify, "Oh, I was not able to study because we have a youth activity yesterday. We justify our mistakes. We justify ungodliness. I remember in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, I think, it says there that Daniel purposed in his heart that he will not defile himself. On the onset, on a daily, on a daily basis, when you wake up, resolve in your heart that you will not defile yourself. On a daily basis, when you wake up, Resolve in your heart that you will not follow after ungodliness, but on a daily basis, when you wake up, resolve, Lord, my life is yours and I am going to follow whatever you want me to do. The grace of God teaches us to say no. The word teaches is the same word that is used in Proverbs when it says, train up a child in the way that he should go. So that when the time comes, he will not depart from it. So the grace of God disciplines us. The grace of God gives us the courage. It encourages us to say no to any ungodliness. If you look at Leviticus 2026, there was a command given by God. To his people. He said, you are to be holy to me. Because I, the Lord, am holy. And I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Now, there is a transition. This was declared by God, commanded by God in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, it says, For we are God's handiwork. You see, in the Old Testament, it was a command. It was a law given to them. But in the New Testament, it says, For we are God's handiwork. What does it mean? We are God's masterpiece. God is the one molding us. Did you see the difference? In the law, it was a command. You have to do this. But in the New Testament, what happened? We become a masterpiece of God. We we were created in Christ Jesus to what? To do good works. So it is God, it is Jesus, who is actually at work in our lives. And that is the grace of God. You know, it's difficult to understand. Why? Because the grace of God is so enormous. The grace of God is made available for you and for me. Not only to save us, but to transform us into His image and to His likeness. How many of you have seen grapes? In John, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. God expects us to what? To bear much fruit. Whose role is it to bear fruit? It is the vine. It is Jesus who will bear the fruit through the branches. Because if you detach the branch from the vine, what happens? It dies, it doesn't bear fruit. For as long as the branch is attached to the vine, the branch bears fruit. Meaning your role as a believer, your role as a Christian is simply a fruit hanger. Fruit hanger. It is the vine that bears fruit through you. The only thing that needs to happen is you have to abide in the vine the only thing that needs to happen is you have to be attached to the vine because if you are not attached to the vine there's no way that you can bear fruit amen in philippians it says being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on the day of completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Who began a good work in us? Jesus. And what is that good work? When we got saved, that is the start of the grace of God, the saving grace of God in our lives. And he said, I am going to complete it until the day of the coming of Jesus Christ. And in Philippians 2, chapter chapter 12, it says, Therefore, My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, let me explain that. Because a lot of people are kind of confused when they see the word continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because if you read it as is, what comes to your mind? I will work my salvation. In fact, a lot of Christians quote it this way Continue to work your salvation with fear and trembling. They omit the word out. What is work out? Exercise. What else? Practice. What else? Sino sa inyo nakakita ng air freshener? Who of you have seen an air freshener? Air freshener. Okay. You know the air freshener? You cannot see the air freshener inside the can. You can only see the can. But if you press the, you call it the button or whatever it is, what happens? It goes out. Right? It's just like the transforming grace of God. God has transformed your spirit when you got born again. When you got born again, it is your spirit that was born again. It says here, it it Work out. Bring out what is in you. You know, people or humans are actually consist of three. The spirit, the soul, and the body. Okay? So, look at the person next to you. What do you see? You see the body. But actually, the person next to you is actually a spirit inside this body. When we got born again, okay, backtrack. When God created us, okay, He formed the dust, right? And then what did He do? He breathed into the nostril the breath of life. Okay, in Genesis. When He did that, okay, the Spirit of God came inside that clay. But when man fell into sin, there was a separation between that Spirit and God because of sin. And the Bible describes it as death. When we got born again, when we received Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, what happens? The Spirit from within us was restored with the Spirit of God. at you're born again the body remains as is the body remains as is the body was never or did not experience that rebirth it is the spirit within us okay do, do you guys understand okay that is why in romans chapter 12 it says It admonishes us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Because our bodies are not born again. Our body, our flesh wanted to do something else. But the spirit from within us who is already attuned with the spirit of God wanted to follow what God is saying. But the flesh is saying no. You know, just like the disciples when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, Jesus left them for them to pray. And when Jesus came back, what happened? They were they were sleeping. And Jesus said, "What? The spirit is willing, but the flesh was weak." Okay Now the transforming grace of God has already transformed. The inside of us. And what is important is for us to bring out that transformed life so that our body, our flesh, will follow it. Amen? Okay. So it says here, work out your salvation. Work out from what is within. Working it out. Bringing it out. Okay? Okay. Because what is inside of us has already been transformed. And let's continue. In verse 13 it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Very clear. Even the intent of doing good, even the intent of living a Godly life, even the intent of being Christ-like, it is God who gives you the will. It is him who gives the will for us to act in order to fulfill his purpose. Isn't it nice? You don't even have to do anything about it. Why? Because it is God who gives us the will. It is God who gives us the motivation. In the message translation, it says it is the energy of God from within us. The energy from within us that wanted to be Christ-like. Amen? I remember when my children were small. I'm sure those of you who have kids, when you go to the mall or when you walk on the street, what do you do? You hold your hand, you hold the hand of your kid tight because you wanted to bring your kid to safety. And in Isaiah it says, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. We do not allow our kids to hold our hands. Why? Because their hands are too weak. But in Isaiah, it says, it is God who holds us. In fact, it's, it's, in Psalms, it says that the steps of a righteous person is ordered by God. Sometimes it's difficult. You know, it's not sometimes. It's difficult or it's impossible to become Christ-like. But it is God who holds your hand, leads you to the right path. It is God who gives you the will to live a godly life. It is God who works within, from within you so that we will live a godly life. You remember this? I showed this last Sunday. Jesus laid... His life for me. Jesus gave His life to me. It's supposed to be to me. And Jesus lives His life through me. So in short, when you got born again, when you got Christian, our bodies, the inside of us, has been renewed. And all we need to do is become a fruit hanger. Bring out from what is within. Bring it out. Amen? You know, I was telling Sister Grace earlier. We're talking about grace and we're saying that we have nothing to do. There should be no effort. We have nothing to do with our salvation. But I guess there is only one thing that God is asking us to do. Let's read Hebrews 4.11. Let us therefore make every effort. Let us therefore make every effort. Yan lang siguro pinagagawa sa That is the only work God is asking us to do. What? The effort of entering that rest. The effort of entering that rest. I remember when I was a kid, I was doing kata. You know what kata is? Karate. I was in karate when I was a kid. And our, our master was saying that you know in karate, the real karate, it is different from what you see in the TV or what you see in some of the karate studios, where they have huge muscles and they have, you know, uh, arms of steel, etc., so on and so forth. He was saying that in karate, your body should be as soft, soft as a cotton, and you are able to flex it to become as hard as a steel. Why is that? Because your body has to be pliable it has to be flexible. And every time you resist the flow, the movement of your body, sabi niya, you will never learn karate. Didn't you remember? Those of you who dance, there's an instructor who will even guide you step by step, so that you will follow. And sometimes that instructor will hold your hand and they will say, relax. Right? Because if you don't relax, what happens? mali, mali You become too stiff. It doesn't look good. That is the effort that God is asking us. Enter into His rest. Relax. Relax. Just follow the movement. Just like what you see in Tai Chi. Like this. Amen. Relax. Enter into His rest. And when you enter into His rest, the hand of God is going to hold you, guide you, step by step. Step by step. Step by step. There's a song in the Philippines that says, Gusto kong bumait, pero hindi ko magawa. Right? Why? Because it is our own effort. But if we allow the Holy Spirit, if we allow God to move into us, What happens? It becomes easy. God gives you the grace to accomplish a task. When you use the grace, He rewards you. He blesses you for using the grace He gives. God gives you the grace. And when you acknowledge and use that grace, what happens? He blesses you. I'll give you an example. For example, I gave Nate. Because a <laughs> I gave Nate a piece of or a good jeans. Okay? Probably true religion. Okay? I gave it to Nate. And every time Nate would go to to church, and I saw him wearing that true religion, what happens? I feel happy. But if I give that jeans to Nate, and Nate doesn't wear it, how do I feel? I feel bad. Why? Probably Nate doesn't like the jeans that I gave him. But you feel happy if you see the person using or wearing the gift that you give that person am I correct am I correct same is true with God God gives you the grace and every time you use the grace that he has given you he showers you more he showers you with more blessings and he enjoys seeing you using that grace do you understand You know, how do I say it? Okay, you know, uh, God wants the glory, right? Now, if God wants the glory, let him do all the working. Because when you go to heaven... When you go to heaven, you will say, worthy is the lamb. It doesn't say, worthy is the lamb and me. Why? Because when we go to heaven, everything that happens to us, it's God's grace. Everything is God's grace. We have nothing to do with it. And the only thing that we need to do is what? Enter into his rest. Allow Him, allow Him to mold us. We have, we have grapes at home. The uh, grapes it was crawling on the east side of our fence. And just this year, we decided to transfer it to the back. So instead of cutting the grapes, what we did was to reposition it so that it will move on the other side. Okay. At first, what happened? There were branches in the grapes that are really stubborn. When we move it, what happened? They broke. But there are branches that when we move it on the other side, it just allowed us or it becomes pliable. It becomes flexible. So now, these grapes, I believe, are Bearing fruit, same is true with our lives. The more we resist what God is directing our lives, the more it's going to be difficult and it will even break us. Amen? So the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Let's move on, Titus chapter 2, verse 15. These then are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. This is where the principle of discipleship comes into place. While it is the work of the Holy Spirit, while it is God who directs our path, But I believe in my heart that God uses other people to mold and to train us. Why is that? The Bible says that sometimes it is difficult for us to see, yung muta sa mata natin, okay? Sometimes it's difficult to see the imperfection that we have on our faces. But if you ask a person, how do I look like? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Sometimes the mirror will lie to you. But if you ask the person, what's wrong with me? The person, if that person is really your friend, he will objectively give you what he observed. And, and Paul was telling Titus, these then are the things you should, teach. Encourage and rebuke. Sometimes when we hear the word rebuke, it gives us a negative connotation. But you know, it depends on the packaging. That is why when we do discipleship, we don't say, asama, asama mo. Okay? what we normally do is we package what we're going to say to the person. We season it with grace, we season it with with uh, so that it's not too negative and it will not hurt the person. So this is the principle of discipleship. That's why I would encourage each and every one of us, if you are not yet being discipled, go find somebody who will disciple you. Go find somebody who will disciple you. Me and my wife are being discipled. We're being discipled by one of our elders, one of our pastors. And... And our discipler is telling us what are the things he observes in our lives. We go through a session, we go through a series of discussion, and he points out the things that he observe in my life that needs to be changed. The aim of being Christ-like. The aim of being holy, as what the Bible says. So I would encourage you if you don't have a discipler, if nobody's discipling you, I want you to consider. I want you to pray for it. I want you to do something. Find somebody who will disciple you. Because I'm sure it will benefit each and every one of you. Amen? And eventually, and eventually, as you progress in your Christian walk we would like to encourage you to disciple other people also. Just like how you were discipled. Amen? The Bible says that when you are under grace, sin has no more dominion over your life. In Romans chapter 8, it says that we are no longer bounded, or in prison with the old things in our lives. When we are under grace, sin there is capital letter S. It is a noun, meaning Satan has no more dominion over you. We who are under grace, sickness has no more dominion over us. We who are under grace, Poverty has no more dominion over us. We who are under grace will live a free and enjoyable life. Of course, the Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But what does it say? The Lord will deliver them all. So when we are under grace, okay, when you swim under the water, what happens to you? You get wet. When you are under grace, when you live under grace, you will enjoy being with Jesus. You will enjoy the grace, the love of God that is being poured upon each and every one of ours. Amen? And uh, before I ask the, the band to come up front, I'd like us to, for those of you who are new and you, know, you have not experienced the saving grace of Jesus, the Bible says that if we receive him as a personal Lord and Savior, we will experience that saving grace that he has offered you and me. However, God is not through with us. After being saved, God expects us to grow in the knowledge and in the grace of Jesus Christ. It cannot be all grace. Why? Because grace without truth is actually a deception. Grace said, Neither do I condemn you. But truth said, go and sin no more. Even that statement, go and sin no more, God is going to give us the will so that we will start to hate sin. And so that we will even more appreciate The beauty of Jesus. And when you live under grace, what happens? You become more in love with Jesus. And when you are under grace, you become more and more close to Him. Enter into His rest. That is the only effort he is asking us to do. Enter into his rest. Rest in the presence of God. Rest in his grace. Father, we thank you for your words. Thank you so much for your grace. Lord, there are no words to describe how grateful we are just wanted to say thank you thank you for your grace thank you for your great love you loved us so much Lord God that Lord you gave all you gave all and Lord I pray for those of us who are right now struggling with sin Lord, we cannot do it on ourselves but by the grace of God give us the will, the strength, even the endurance to live a holy life. It is impossible, Lord, to do or to become Christ-like apart from you. But we ask you, Holy Spirit, to please direct us And as we enter into that rest, Lord, I pray that people around us will see. People around us will see the aura. People will see in us that indeed you are a great God. A God who is able able to transform our lives. Lord, I pray for us, for those who have not known you as their personal Lord and Savior. We even lift up to you our relatives who are still out there, have not experienced the saving grace of of your son. I ask, Father God, that you will open opportunities. Give us that golden moment that they will see in us, Lord God, that indeed, there is a God who can change lives. Let them see in us. Allow us, Lord God, to become light and salt to the people around us. Thank you so much for your saving grace. And thank you, even, Lord, for the transforming grace. Lord, I know, Lord God, that some of us have some vices that is not giving you the glory. I pray, Father God, that you will put a spotlight in our lives. There are things in our lives that you want us to give up. And yet, we are too stubborn to give them up. Some of us may have vices of drinking. Even vices of smoking, Lord God. Lord, I know that you are in the process of changing us. You are not done with us. And I pray, Father God, that you will give us that grace so that we will live a godly life. For those of us who are struggling in the areas of lying, Lord, I pray that you will change us. change us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.